If you uh, have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 17. If you want to follow along on version, the phone app, you can do that as well. First of all, though, I got a little question, because I want to know. The question is this. What would you do if I sang out a tune, which I'm known to do? Would you walk out? Would you? Would you? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Yes? Yes! Did you say yes? <laughs> you plug your ears? <laughs> One of the reasons I have confidence to sing in church is because there's other people around me, right? <laughs> and so when it comes to singing, I get by with a little help from my friends, right? There is a song about that, yeah, yeah. And I need to apologize because you may just have that song going through your head the rest of the day. (laughs) I get by with a little help from my friends. God has designed it that way That the way he expresses his care to us, that the way he shows his love to us, when difficulty, tragedy, loss come, is that we will get by it with a little help from our friends. And that line wasn't written by the Beatles first. The principle comes from everything Jesus did and everything Jesus said. And the story I want to read to you today is perhaps the ultimate picture of someone who's getting by with a little help from their friends. Did you know that one of the biggest challenges that we are facing as a culture is the disease, if we can call it that, of loneliness. I was doing some research this week and the statistics for loneliness are an all-time high as best we can track. It's that loneliness that is causing people to do horrible things. It is loneliness that is driving at the root of this suicide epidemic. It is loneliness that is driving the division in our society. Because we've created a culture where it's all about me, where it's all about the individual. And we were never meant to be individuals because God made it, made us as relational people who don't get by an isolation, but get by with a little help from our friends. Some of you know I'm on the Commission for Homelessness. 
in Orlando, and we've come up with this genius understanding of how to solve homelessness. You want to know what it is? Get homes. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know how much money has been spent on this research, but all the research says, if you want to end homelessness, put the homeless in homes. If I was a consultant, I could make a whole lot of money on this loneliness issue as well. Because you know what the cure for loneliness is? Relationships. <laughs> it's people, right? Now, I realize there's some, 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 some clinical stuff, some medical stuff that, that happens. But if we want to cure loneliness, the solution is really not that hard. It's all about relationships and making friends. You end homelessness by giving people homes. You end loneliness by making friends. King David says in the Psalms, God puts the lonely in families. And the more I interact with the poor and with the lonely and with the struggling and with the crazy the more I believe that this was an intentional, single-minded strategy of God because when we're not alone, everything changes and everything gets a little bit better. So I want to talk to you today about this crazy story that shows us, I think, four ways that we can move from this culture of loneliness towards a culture where everybody knows that they're loved, that they're cared for, that they matter. This is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's a story that, as with all good stories in Scripture, Jesus is the focal point. Jesus is there at the beginning, the reason people come together, the reason lonely people come together. He's the star of the show, and then afterwards, everybody's looking at Jesus as well. Relationship with God cures our loneliness because the cure for loneliness is relationship. But this isn't just a story about a great God who wants to befriend us. It's a story about some incredible friends that give this man an opportunity that he would never have had without them. Last week, we talked about how this, this community idea revolves around a glass of wine. This week, this story revolves around a mat. Not a mat like this. We got this from Ikea. I don't think they had Ikea back then. <laughs> but a mat that a man sat on. And that was his life. Let me tell you a story. One day, when Jesus was teaching, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. We read that, we think it's an intro to the story, but I think if we look behind the lines, the scenes a little bit, there's an issue that's happening 
It's talking about lonely people. The people who are there are the Pharisees and the teachers. And, and we read that they're there because they want to see if this Jesus is real. They want to see if he's going to break their rules or keep their rules. These teachers, these Pharisees, they thought they, they had it all together. They thought that the law was it. What they didn't realize was that the law is set up to protect us. But if we give ourselves too much to the law, the law actually isolates us. They were lonely people. They, they were lonely people because they wanted to come to see Jesus because they'd heard that Jesus was a celebrity. They wanted to see him do another trick. They wanted to see him do another illusion. Jesus was the local celebrity. That's why they came from all around, because Jesus put on a good show. Over the last few years, I've been able to hang out, you know, with, uh, with the soccer team. No, they're not big celebrities, but some of them are. A lot of them certainly act like they're bigger than they are. <laughs> but I've been in restaurants with some of the players and people have come up to the table and asked for autographs and all that kind of stuff. And as I reflected on that, there's a celebrity problem in our culture. We, we have this desire to, to put people on a pedestal And do what we can to get around them or get an autograph or a selfie or that kind of stuff. There's something inherent about our celebrity culture that is very, very lonely. Somehow it says, I'm not, but they are. And if I could just be like them or be around them or have what they have, then I'd be okay. Somehow there's some kind of loneliness that's a, a driver behind that. The first thing we need to understand about loneliness is that it is rampant isolation that causes loneliness. You remember when social media was just coming into style? And everybody said, this is so great. This is going to connect us. This is going to bring us together. Maybe it did for a few months. But now it separates us. Now it actually makes us more lonely. Now it causes us to present a picture of ourselves that we're not. And the real us gets to hide in loneliness. Rampant. Isolation causes loneliness. All of us have grown up in a society that says, hey, it's all about you. It's about me, 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 my way, my stuff. And it hasn't worked for us. 
Those were the kind of people that came to Jesus. And the fact that they came to Jesus as they did for the reasons they did shows that back then, as now, isolation was rampant and isolation causes loneliness. But there's another guy who really wanted to see Jesus, and he was lonely as well. We don't know much about this guy, but we know because of his medical condition that he must have been lonely. See, this man was paralyzed. He couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I mean literally, he couldn't go anywhere. He would have spent his life on a mat about this size. And he probably had a little bowl or a plate. And he would have begged for everything he needed. Physically, this guy was lonely. But even worse than that physical loneliness was the isolation that this guy felt because of his condition. You see, people in this day believed that because he was paralyzed, he was cursed. And because he was cursed, he kind of had this, this social disease that no one wanted to go near him. They felt that he or someone in his family or in a past life or whatever had done something that had annoyed God, and that's why God had paralyzed him. Sure, he was isolated physically, but that physical isolation was nothing compared to the social isolation that he felt. In this story, there are the Pharisees and the teachers and they've got that individualistic, isolated loneliness going on. And there's this guy who spent his life living on a mat that's got this isolated, lonely thing going on. Isolation causes loneliness, and it's as rampant now as it was then. The first thing this story reminds us as we see the world is that rampant isolation causes loneliness. The next thing that it teaches us is that risking relationship pierces loneliness. Risking relationship pierces loneliness. Verse 18. Some men came to the place where Jesus was teaching, carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine how that went down? So everybody hears that Jesus is in town. And the Pharisees and the teachers and the well-to-dos, they get there first and quickly because they can't. 
And they want to see Jesus' celebrity, and they want to find uh, out how to trip him up because they're isolated. And so they're all running to the house where Jesus is, and there's this guy sitting on the mat saying, hey, I want to go, I want to go. But he can't because he can't move his legs. But this guy has got one thing going for him in his isolation. He's got some friends. And it says that these friends took a risk on him and took him to Jesus. It was a risk for them on two levels. One, it was a risk because it was going to make them late to the party. And if they were to stop and help their friend, maybe they'd miss seeing Jesus. You know, it's kind of like having kids, right? <laughs> you know, you make your plans when you got young kids, and then you have to add about 30 minutes to everything, no matter how well you plan, just because it's kids, right? The second risk that they took was that this man was a social outcast. And so to pick him up on his mat and take him didn't only make them late to see Jesus and maybe miss out to Jesus. It meant that when they got there, their status and their uh, reputation would be ruined as well. They were taking a risk on carrying this guy to Jesus. And that's the second thing that I want to say. If we want to solve this isolation, loneliness problem, we have to take risks on our relationship. So they were a little bit late to the party, but they risked it for their friends. There was great social cost to them, but they risked it to their friends. They picked him up. They carried him to the house, and just as they thought, they'd missed the party. There was no room at the house. No one wanted to let them in because they had this socially um, disabled guy with them. But these friends, man, these are the kind of friends that, that, that I'm grateful for in my life. They got creative. They said, we got we, we to gotta solve this problem. H how do we get in to see Jesus? Well, the, the front doors are blocked. The, the windows are too small. We can't get in through there. And then some... <laughs> fool says, hey, I got a crazy idea. How about we take him on the roof, dig a hole in the roof, and then we'll lower him in. Man, I want to be that friend. <laughs> and something else is going on in this relationship that all of these yahoos say, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a great picture of what friendship does? It sees an obstacle and it says, I'm going to risk it and I'm going to go through it. These guys took some risks to cure loneliness because relationship takes a risk. You know, I was thinking just, just, just today, would I have done that? And part of me thinks, yeah, I'm a little bit too tame for that. But there's a part of me inside of that says, yeah, I, I would love to have done that. That's exactly what I would want to do. Because relationships are a risk, but they're worth it. Anyway, so, 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 so they, they risk being late. They risk the stigma. They, they, they come up with this risky plan. You know, they're on top of the roof. They're probably in their hands and knees, just kind of, you know, it's like a mud roof thing and digging through. And you can imagine the crowd. Just imagine if it happened right here, right? You know, I'm just, just like Jesus was talking, I'm talking like this. And all of a sudden you hear this noise above and everyone's 
kind of distracted, you know, what, 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 what's going on. And little bits of debris start falling down, right? And the owner of the house, he's probably there freaking out. <laughs> he's, he's, what am I going to do? This is like the highlight of my hospitality life. And my roof is falling in now. It wasn't until afterwards that he decided what to put on the insurance papers. You know what he put? Act of God. <laughs> Can we have a symbol or something? Because I. I <laughs> so they dig a hole in the roof, right? And these crazy, risky friends, I don't know how they did it. <laughs> but they see this paralyzed guy just coming down right before Jesus. And everybody's saying, oh my goodness, what is happening? And something beautiful is happening. And isolation is being destroyed because this guy who had lived his life on a mat had some friends who were prepared to take a risk on him. And if we want to be... Part of the cure of this loneliness epidemic, we need to take risks in our relationships with people. How vulnerable it was, how crazy it was, but love compelled them to do it because that's what relationships should do, right? When I was in uh, elementary school, I had this this, this, this guy in our school called Neil Hewitt. And he was that one kid who lived in isolation, right? He, he, he was the, the one who always smelled bad, who didn't have the best upbringing, made some, so, some dumb statements. I remember we were in, in class one day and we had to give a little talk about how many brothers and sisters we have. We had to introduce ourselves first. So, you know, hey, my name's Andy. I got two sisters. <laughs> he stood up there. He said, my name's, N he spoke like this. He said, my name's Neil Hewitt. I got two brothers, me and Lee. <laughs> Think about that, right? <laughs> yeah. But he was that kid, right, who was so isolated. And I thought, man, I, 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 I want to be this friend and and I hung out with him one lunchtime, and man, everyone said, what are you doing? And I got to know this kid, and I realized that I quite, quite liked him, and we became friends. Man, and I got a little bit of heat from it, from my peers. But thinking about it, I, I want to take that risk every day, right? More, more and more. If I got a choice, do I or don't I? Do I, because we take a risk on relationships. We heal isolation. Rampant isolation causes loneliness. Risking relationship pierces loneliness. Restorative measures dissolve loneliness. Listen to what happens now. <laughs> the guy's coming through the ceiling right in front of Jesus. It's interesting in verse 20 that Jesus says, seeing their faith. Note this, Jesus didn't heal the guy because of the guy's faith. He healed the guy because of the faith of the friends, right? Jesus saw their faith. Who's there? It's the friends. 
He said, young man, your sins are forgiven. Man, Jesus was taking a risk here as well because he knew who was there to trap him up. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to themselves, <laughs> who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now, forgive me, but if I'm in that room and I've just seen a man lowered through the ceiling, I'm not trying to settle theological questions. I'm saying, what's going on? But they're so caught up in their bias and their prejudice. They so want to, to catch Jesus out that the first thing they do is not say, hey, how can we help? How can we be part of the solution? It's like, well, we probably shouldn't help that guy because who's this guy? You know, who's he to say that he can forgive sins? 22. I love this too. Jesus knew what they were thinking. It was written all over their faces and their expressions. I don't care about this person. He, he needs to, to stay lonely. That's the way we like it. And so Jesus sets a little trap for them, which is only fair because they'd set plenty of traps for him. Why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier to say stand up and walk? Man, there's a question, right? <laughs> I mean, however they answer that, they either have to make themselves look like a fool, which they didn't want to do, or they have to acknowledge that God has some sovereign power. So they're caught in this, this little trap. Well, what, what, what do you want to do? Is it easier to say you're forgiven, or is it easier to say get up and walk? 24, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. You know Jesus' answer to this question? Both. <laughs> Is it easier to forgive sins or, or, or call this man to walk again? Yes. <laughs> and Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. You know what's happening here? Is Jesus is restoring this man to society because now this man can start to walk again and that means he can interact with his family again and that means that this social curse that people had put on him was gone and this means that he can get a job and this means that he can make some money and this means that he can support himself and this means that he can can contribute and this means that he's not going to be lonely again that's what it means when Jesus says, get up and walk. But when Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven, that means that a restoration is taking place because of he and God, right? There had been a separation between he and God, as there's a separation between us and God because of all the things that we've done wrong. And Jesus said, hey, not only can you get up and walk, and I will restore you to relationship, but get up and walk, and I will restore you to me as well. We need both of those restorative moves to take place in our life for loneliness to be dissolved. It's not just about us getting right with our friends. It's about us getting right with God as well. 
Because there is a loneliness that exists between us and God. There is a break in that relationship, and that relationship is called sin. And so when Jesus says, with all the authority of heaven, your sins are forgiven, that wall is broken, and that relationship is fixed as well. Jesus is announcing who he is. And he's saying, in my kingdom, in my way, there need be no loneliness. No loneliness with God, no loneliness with each other. Your sins are forgiven, now get up and walk. Restorative measures dissolve loneliness. And you know, God wants to say the same thing to us, and he wants to bring and birth those restorative measures in us. I went to bed on Tuesday night struggling to sleep somewhat because I had a lot of stress uh, running through my mind. Situations that I needed to manage, responsibilities that I needed to fulfill. I remember just before I fell asleep, my head was already on the pillow and I just finished my prayers, I thought, God, it would really be nice if I could just spend a few minutes with a good pastor who would listen and love and empathize and say, hey, it's going to be all right. Because that's, that's what a good pastor does, right? Went to bed. I got up the next morning, went to breakfast with Jody and a couple of friends, And a gentleman who I've considered a pastor in my life, Pastor Bruce, who was here a few weeks ago, showed up at our breakfast unbeknownst to me. He lives in Lakeland. He was dropping his wife at the airport, and he decided to just show up. And again, we had a nice conversation. He didn't say anything that was particularly inspiring or uplifting, but the fact that he was there and that God heard my prayer, restored something within me. And that loneliness that I was feeling as I, as I went to bed a little bit because of the weight of responsibility, it was lifted, not just because my friend, my pastor was there, but because God was listening as well. Rampant isolation causes loneliness. Risking relationship pierces loneliness. Restorative measures dissolve loneliness. And then something beautiful happens. Restored friendships eliminate loneliness. And again, when we're in relationship... It gets harder and harder to be lonely. This is what happens. 25, and immediately. You know, God's miracles have a habit of happening immediately, right? When all things are in place, when God says, says go, it's not like we've got to hang around for another few minutes for the final boxes to be checked. It's, it's go. And immediately everyone watched as the man jumped up, right? 
He didn't just climb up. The guy hasn't walked for years, if at all. He jumps up, and I love this. He grabs his mat. It says he rolls up his mat. Right? And you can imagine every jaw is dropping in the place, right? And it says he walks up. He walks out. And in that, in that a great, great picture? You've had this dramatic scene coming through the roof, Jesus doing this, this healing. <laughs> and he's like, yes, that was uh, good to see you. <laughs> just, <laughs> just walks out. But he walks out a different man. Because all that stigma, all that stuff is lost. The guy's in a friendship with God now because his sins have been forgiven. He's in a friendship one to another because that which prevented it is gone. Rampant loneliness, rampant isolation causes loneliness. Risking relationships pierces loneliness. Restorative measures dissolve loneliness, but restored friendships eliminate loneliness. Just check out some of the language in verse 26. Everyone speaks to people been together, not isolated. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God. Some versions say they praised God together. You know, together is a word that isolation can't dwell in, right? They were all exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. They didn't say, I have seen amazing things. They said, we have seen amazing things today. You know why they said we? Because we is the cure for loneliness. And I is the primary cause of it. But they were all together at the end of it. Isolation causes loneliness. Risking relationships pierces it. Restorative measures dissolve it. Restored friendships eliminate it. Here's how I want to end today. This is the way I see it. This is the take home. It's a great passage. We either have one of two roles in this life. Two responsibilities of what it means to follow God, to be in relationship with Him and with one another. One is that we are mat carriers, right? If there was a little baby who weighed about 10 pounds, maybe I'd try it, but I think we're all too heavy to, we'd probably rip the mat. (laughs) But we have a responsibility in this world, especially with the lonely and the lost and the poor and the vulnerable, to be those people who grab a corner of the mat and say, I'm going to be one of those friends who take you to Jesus. Right? That's what the friends did. They didn't take him to the supermarket. They, didn't t- <laughs> they took him to Jesus. And I think we have a responsibility as friends to risk relationship enough to take our friends to Jesus. 
So I think sometimes we have to be mat carriers for people. But there's another role that we get to play, and we don't like to play it, but we have to play it sometimes. And that's that we're mat sitters, right? The reality of it is all of us have a mat of loneliness, of isolation, of loss, of pain that we sit on from time to time. And we can sit on that mat and we can have our own pity party and we can get lost in ourselves. Or we can say to our mat carriers around us, hey, would you be my friend? Would you help me go where I can't go? For me, I don't know if I know of a better picture of what the church is than just a community of mat sitters and mat carriers. Sometimes we get to carry the mat, hopefully most of the time, but sometimes we get to sit on the mat because we're in need. When we're mat sitters, we come to Jesus and he does his thing. When we're mat carriers, we get to do the work of Jesus in this world by loving and caring and carrying each other's burdens, Paul says, because it's in carrying each other's burdens that we fulfill the law of Christ.